I'm your host, Micah Versman, and this is The Producer Podcast. Today we have a special Micah on Micah episode of the show as we talk with Micah Gerber of Gospel Motion Films about everyone's favorite part of filmmaking, fundraising. So without further ado, let's get started. Thanks for joining us, Micah. Thanks for having me, Micah. So to start, maybe just tell people a little bit about how you got started in film and producing projects and everything. Well, um, basically you started with a gear junkie. Uh, So that's how I got started. Uh, I found my mom's digital camera and was enthralled. And I had some buddies who really enjoyed beating each other up. And so we later found out that was called stunts. Um, And so we just started shooting things and throwing each other over fences and hurting each other. And, I mean, it just all of a sudden happened. We started shooting shorts, showing them to people. And people were kind of like, wow, this is really cool. And I was the only person out of that crowd to continue in that um, group. I think I was the only person who had the actual vision to continue doing video. Um, Mm -hmm. But that kind of actually started a little bit of that producer side of me um, because none of my friends wanted to start projects. None of my friends wanted to like initiate that first of getting the story and start pulling together a team to shoot it or actors or things like that or use their property, that kind of thing. And so I just kind of fell into this producer role. And I think I was geared towards that most of, you know, just personality-wise and things. Uh, I was geared towards being a producer, but I didn't know it. And cameras were really mesmerizing. And audio was amazing. And it just kept on, I mean, I just kept on getting wowed by this thing they call film. And it was just never-ending. It was awesome. Um, so yeah, I kind of went, kept on doing that and I started that when I was 12. So that was when I shot my first technical short film. I say, I say technical because it was the first short film I ever submitted to a festival. Uh, and it was a Chuck Black. Some people submit to his little festival, but it's a medieval short Mm -hmm. film. No one will ever see it unless I pull some sort of stunt at a festival when I'm teaching there. Um, show you know behind micah gerber or something um but yeah i kind of did that and then kept on producing shorts decided to go to college at cedarville university and pursued a degree in broadcast and digital media and that's actually where my mind for producing switched because going into college i thought man i am a director i'm gonna be a dp I love this. I'm a highly creative person was what I thought I was. Uh, I thought I was highly creative. I thought I could just, I always thought in visuals. And so Mm -hmm. I thought I was cut out to be that. I was going to be a writer, director. I was going to shoot feature films. I was going to shoot a feature film before I finished college, while I was in college. That didn't happen. That's ambitious. (laughs) Yeah, I was very ambitious. And Not to crush people's dreams, but if you're in college right now and you're listening to this, no, that's just not going to, I mean, it's just not going to turn out well if you try. 
Um, I hope it does if you do attempt, but it's, I had to come to a reality check there. Um, so between my freshman and sophomore year, I shot my first funded short film. Um, and this is where I started into funding and that was Conquerors. It's a two and a half minute short film. And that was the first film that I had really, um, done like scheduling and funding and distribution and a real comprehensive edit where I had other people other than me editing. So that kind of was a huge leap and bound. Um, I started showing it to people and they were like, whoa, this is actually kind of cool. Um, but they were all really sad because they were, you know, they were always at the end of the film. They were really sad. I was like, why? And they were like, well, we want more. Good problem to have. Yeah. Well, so this two and a half minute short film all of a sudden is getting people excited. And I enjoy, I, that's, that's honestly what keeps me going is seeing people's excitement. Even if they hate it, like even if they actually hate the film, normally they're excited that you did it or any, it's just that drive of people. Um, Mm -hmm. watching and reacting to your project. So that can either be a a real hatred of it or a real love of it. Either way, it kind of drives me to produce more. Um, So then I kind of started moving into my next project series, which was I didn't really know. I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I wanted to shoot this feature film. Uh, I hadn't written it yet. And I thought, you know what, 90 pages really isn't that much. That's not true. 90 pages is a lot of work, and screenwriters are very talented people. Uh, Yes. I respect screenwriters more and more as I run into them and realize that I was not one of them. That I could edit and I could help people to get a vision and help them drive them towards being able to do their screenplay better. But I realized Mm -hmm. I just wasn't there. Um, so then I got this crazy message from Sean Anthony Kish, uh, a fantastic composer who composed the score for Conquerors. And Sean and I had gone to college together and since then he had graduated, but he had written this script and he was like, Hey Micah, would you be willing to read this? And so I read it and normally at this, at this point, um, I was, I had people had been sending me scripts and I had read a lot of scripts and I'm like, most of them stink. Most of them kind of stink. Um, frankly, a lot of times screenplays just aren't good and people try to send them to you and you read them and you get through the first page and it's an encouragement thing. It's like, how can I encourage you to make this better? Mm -hmm. Um, and Sean's was, Sean's was good. It was really good. Um, it wasn't in format. It wasn't, it was really ambitious. Um, but basically he wanted to shoot a Pixar short film about salvation. Okay. And it had no dialogue in it, which was like a no brain. Like for me, I was like, wait, hold on. This exploded my brain. I'm like, you don't no, no, no. I'm a dialogue guy. I tell stories through dialogue. We don't do this whole silent film thing. That wasn't what happened. We ended up shooting it. Um, and he wanted it. His vision was that it was a Pixar short, so it was, I think, intended to be animated. Um, and though I could have worked with somebody and gotten it animated, I kind of wanted to shoot it live action and see if I could get the okay. same feel of a Pixar short, except live. 
So that's another challenge I think as a producer is taking the medium that it could be and then molding that story to where it can actually be made at a budget that's reasonable. So we tackled that one. And Conquerors, we had crowdfunded. So I went through crowdfunding, the crowdfunding process, and it was really hard. But I was yes. successful. I, I successfully funded, and I was like, okay, we'll do that again for blindfolds. And so I started working on this, and I started running a Kickstarter campaign. And I think it was 20 days in, we had $400 of our goal which wasn't nearly what we weren't anywhere near where we needed to be. And so Mm -hmm. because of how Kickstarter works, we just basically didn't have any money. So I started thinking around, you know, working around, how can we shoot this? How can I shoot it out of my own pocket? And it ended up that I was able to actually find a private donor who donated half of the money. And then I donated the other half. Uh, and basically that's how we shot that film funding wise. Um, but we shot that and then that kind of picked up. It was, uh, I distributed it to 60 festivals and then, so that was distribution, another level of distribution that I just was like, let's do this. Um, and then just kind of work towards that feature again. And that was my dream. And then I kind of stumbled on this thing of funding and, I had been working and learning about funding and was always fascinating to me, but I started to realize that my role in the film industry was as a producer and that my specialty, um, people were like, specialize, specialize, specialize. So I started to realize something that I really enjoyed was talking to people about funding and distribution. And so I started consulting, helping people to figure that out, and that's basically been born through Gospel Motion Films, right? to something mm-hmm. called like something that I call the 5W idea. So it basically walks through the why, who, what, when and where of funding, distribution. And it actually works for branding content too, like for promotional content, but we're here for funding. So this would tie into the 5W idea. But what are what are those questions that you should have answered before you really start designing your funding campaign whether you know you're going crowdfunding investor whatever what are, what questions should you have answered oh boy uh what questions should you have answered before starting your campaign all of them you should have all the answers and more um i think that's a huge part of of development and pre-production is you're coming up with the answer to all the problems you're going to run into. And funding is a problem uh, that people, Mm -hmm. I think I, it's never one question that can, it never is one question that arises. It's a, it's a boatload of questions that all are born out of your why. So why are you doing what you're doing? is a a major part of your production but funding because without a solid why built on innovation you really aren't going to go anywhere with funding because no one's going to believe that you're actually going to be successful so when you start with that why it's 
it in and of itself is a question. So that's the biggest question that you have to answer is what is your why? What makes your product, your film, something that people are willing to sacrifice for? And I don't mean in a way, because a lot of people are like, well, no, 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 I'm looking, as soon as I say that, what, what is something that people are willing to sacrifice for? People automatically say that, no, 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 I'm talking about working with investors. So they're not sacrificing. They're going to, they're going to put money in and then I'm going to give them money back. Mm-hmm. But the, the struggle is that no matter how you're going about funding, and really there's the two big camps of funding are donor funding and, and investor funding. And donor funding is – crowdfunding I think really falls under donor funding. Because people yeah. are giving you money, and they're they're kind of as this break off of donor funding um, that can fall under investor called investor crowdfunding. Uh, that's kind of how the chosen was done, um, yeah. Where people are getting a return on their investment, where they're giving a small amount of money, so a thousand dollars, and then they're getting a thousand dollars back and ten or twenty dollars, whatever it is, in return on that investment. And that's a different route. Um, that's probably a little bit... It's a different animal. Um, and there are probably more mm-hmm. technical names than investor crowdfunding for it. But that's really what it is. Um, so, yeah. The biggest question is why. Why would someone be willing to sacrifice for this? Why are they willing to take a risk on you over someone else? Because there's all kinds of people searching for projects. And I think funding is tremendously unique because there's no mold for who you have to be to be able to Mm -hmm. fund a film project. So I know projects that were funded by insurance, random insurance companies. And that random insurance company invested 200 or $2.5 million into a film to make it happen. Wow. Why were they willing to give 2.5 million towards a film project that was a risk for them? Because they believed in the why. They believed in the why that that company had and the film. Really they believed in the film. And yeah, sure they expected a return on investment. Absolutely they expected that. They're business people. Mm-hmm. They're an insurance company. Yes. But at at the core they believed in a in a why. They believed in the why that that company had built. Same with a company. Um, uh, it's the W MMA fighting. Mm-hmm. They funded Christian movies before. Interesting. Right. They funded Christian movies before, and it wasn't a Christian wrestling movie. It was a Christian like cheesy i'm not saying cheesy in the bad sense but like for the for it's gonna fall under that hallmark feel of a movie more so okay uh it was about a church putting on a play like that was what the film was about and it was funded by the it was either the wmma or the mma so a bunch of a bunch of wrestlers and boxers put on this film and it's like what you guys don't even believe in jesus why are you promoting this like <laughs> So the funding comes from everywhere. 
and 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 it just comes down to that why and so um why would people want to watch the movie why do people want to give money to the movie why do people you can keep on going and going and going and it becomes unique to each project because when you're shooting a feature film there are direct revenue streams so mm-hmm. distribution is fairly easy i say that all the feature filmmakers are cringing in the background. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. When you're shooting a feature film, overall distribution is very easy compared to something like a documentary film. When you start talking about investing and, and funding for a documentary, totally different ballgame. It's, it's harder because the distribution outlets are harder. TV shows are the same way. TV shows have a different funding model because they're all the same funding model per se, but they have a different avenue for funding because they have a different distribution outlet. Right. And so when you structure your why, you're building what will become the success of your film. You're building the answer to every problem you're going to run into as a filmmaker. And because I keep on saying start with why, everyone's going to immediately react pretty much with, have you read, you know, you're reading the book Simon Sinek's Start With Why, right? And I actually am halfway through it. Um, so I came up with my okay. why thing before I read Simon Sinek's. Uh, start with why. And I agree with a lot of what he says. I think it's great. Um, and I'm learning a lot myself and how to formulate ideas and, and respond to um, things. But uh, a why can be very simple. But a why at its core, for a Christian specifically, is always going to be, you know, to make the gospel known. It should be. It should be that, right? Mm-hmm. But there's this unique thing where your funding may not come from a Christian. And so although your why may be to make the gospel known or to help people to understand the gospel, tell stories of faith, something like that. Business people, people with a business mindset, don't don't care. I'm not saying that they don't care, like they don't, they care in the sense of, obviously you would hope that they're a Christian and you're a Christian and that they're going to have some level of, you know, mindset of, wow, I think having, you know, Christ be made known is a very powerful thing. Um, But that's often how donors and, and investors are separated. All of a sudden this Mm -hmm. investor, right? He's secular. He wants money. That's all he's in yeah. for. And this donor, well, he it's a donor. He's sacred. That means that means that he only cares about the faith aspect and he really doesn't care about the business side of things. He's just giving you money to help make faith be a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is when you talk to investors and donors, rarely if ever so donors make their donor dollars by investing. So they've started a company or 
six companies or eight companies or however many companies they have. They've started companies, they've invested money, and they've made money. And now they're willing to give that money away for free, mostly to get a tax return, but um, <laughs> a good tax return. But that being said, they have they usually have a mindset of wanting to give it away for free to a charity or something like that. But oftentimes, nonprofits and and films and everyone uh, here there in between have this idea that well, it doesn't really matter what we do with this money. It just matters that we have the money now, and we can do whatever we want mm-hmm. because he's not expecting anything in return. Yeah. But donors and investors have the same desired return. They expect multiplication of their funds. Maybe not monetarily, but what you see in a donor, donors look at the mon- look at the return um, and say, okay, so this person said they were going to build a hospital. How many people are they servicing per year? Mm-hmm. And if they're only saving, like, let's say they're servicing, aka helping, like, 200 people a year with this, you know... $4 million that they got, let's say. They built this hospital, and now they're helping like 200 people, but the entire population is like $30 million or something. Yeah. All of a sudden, the donor's going to be kind of like, well, I felt like I flushed my money down the toilet because this person's only helping like 200 people. They could be really effective in helping them, but they're really not helping that many people. Mm-hmm. Whereas a similar service, right, takes that $4 million and starts helping, you know, a million people. I don't really – a wild number, you know. They start helping people. That donor feels very satisfied in what they do. The thing is an investor cares about the same thing. It's just he expects a residual in return. And so ultimately before he ever looks at your financials, because he can't necessarily see those, He's going to look at the success, the external success of your company and say, oh, man, are they making sales? Do they have multiple revenue streams? Things like that. Mm -hmm. Before he's ever going to say, like, okay, I want my money back. Yeah. Because, I mean, an investor is willing to extend things. They really are. They're nice people. Um, For the most part, investors are willing to extend deadlines if they can see that there's a success. But again, if you're having success, you should be able to meet that deadline. So like there's a mixed, there's a mixed bag there. And so most of the time they get irritated with people for not paying off their dues because they don't see a success. That that's all really good. And I've definitely seen projects that, have had those questions answered before going in and other ones that did not. And I've seen how, how they've fared. Well, that Uh, being said too, I think that is the important part of a funding consultant, shameless plug. Uh, (laughs) like part half my job literally as a funding consultant is to help people think through what questions they should be asking. Because ultimately, I just start asking questions about their production, 
what do you need? What do yeah. you, uh, what's your budget like? What's this? You know, things like that. And I just start picking apart their stuff. So like that's part of my job. And you're literally just paying somebody mm-hmm. to ask you questions about your production. Anybody could technically yeah. do it. It's just that theoretically a funding consultant is more educated than your grandma. So, I mean, I tell people that I, d- just a I have bit. a lecture. I have a lecture um, called how to make a film with limited resources. And literally your greatest asset is your grandmother because your grandmother will listen to anything you say and encourage you in it. Well, I hope so. Unless mm-hmm. you have a really critical grandmother and then I'm sorry, but she might actually be beneficial to you. Um, so, but either way, I mean, and then you just ask her, she's like, what did you, I'm like, what did you not get? And she's like, I didn't get this part. You know, my grandma's 90, mm-hmm. 98 now. And she still, she'll, I'll tell her something and she'll, you know, listen to it and things like that. My mom's the same way, you know, whoever it is, that's your friend, ask them and they're going to be your, hopefully they're going to be your hardest critic. Yes. And, and that's the best, that's the best place to be. For sure. So once you have kind of answered those questions and now you're getting to the point of like actually sharing that information with either your potential investors, your potential donors, what's the best way to do that? Should you be creating some fancy PowerPoint or, you know, booklet to send them? Should you be trying to meet with them in person? What, what's a good way to go about that? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. So should, once you've answered those major questions, right, what should you mm-hmm. move forward with? How should you move forward in that process? That's next step. I think it's interesting. It kind of plays into the who. So we've an- kind of answered those why questions. It kind of moves into yeah. the who. Um, who exactly are people that are going to give money to you is is the, the deep question there. And really that – once you've answered that who, you're going to know how you should reach out to them. So it depends on the relationship. So, you know, as kids, we're taught never to talk to strangers. And it's true. Like, when you're funding, don't just go to strangers. You're going to get rejected. Um, and, and really, ultimately... And I say that everybody is is like putting on brakes. They're like, this guy's a nut job at this moment. I'm saying the people that are around you are your most likely people to give you money because they know you and they can get behind your why quicker and easier than someone you don't already know. Because you have to convince someone of you. In fact, actually, really, truthfully, most people who start looking for investors specifically – and I'm going to stick with investors because that's really where most people should be, especially if they're in the feature okay. film world. They should be sticking with investors. Yes. Um, donors are pretty effective for short films, but I mean, y- you really can't use investors for short films. But anyway, yeah. so I'm going to stick with those two terms, and really, I'm going to stick with investors. But like, people who go and search for investors will talk about going to 40 people and getting one. Mm-hmm. Or 30 people. The numbers vary. Um, you know, 30 to 50 people and getting one person who gives them money. That's very valid. But I think it's mostly because they go and search for people they have no connection to. So it's very hard to convince a stranger that you're a credible source. 
and that's that's why like if you go if you go into a random crowd of people and doing something like Shark Tank or something, right? You're trying to convince someone, these people that you don't know, that you're a credible source in a very small amount of time. Those people are very, yes. those are smart people to be able to do that. But a lot of people are rejected. And so you could have a great idea. And honestly, your idea could be ready for production and become the next big thing. But an investor, simply because they don't know you, can reject you. I, I always tell people, look at your sphere of influence. What's your um what what are people who are people that are gonna be interested in your why and who has money? Mm-hmm. The next biggest thing is the questions that you ask them, uh, ask them how they want to be interacted with. Yeah. So obviously if it's your friend who's the president of a cookie company. Let's just throw it out there. Um, if, if it's a friend who's in, you know, the cookie company's worth $10 million, $10 million let's say that. Um, it's worth $10 million. They're willing to invest a million dollars a year into something. And you've gotten to the point where you're like, hey, can I take you out to dinner and talk to this about, talk to them about this. I have found dinner to be most effective, personally. One-on-one dinner with whoever it is. Um, if it's a husband and wife, then I, you know, invite the husband and wife, whatever that is. That has been most effective for me in relationship building. Um, okay. But really, specifically for it's produ- it's a producer thing. Um, if you are working with, if you are working with producing films, specifically larger films. You need to learn a term that is commonly used for that kind of a person. The person who does funding is called an engagement officer usually. All right. And an engagement is an encounter between two people. And that's exactly what – that's all funding is. is it's It's an engagement. It's two people meeting up and becoming friends. Having the understanding a similar why and then moving forward. So you've got uh, two people, uh, people who give money specifically in a, in a desire to return have their projects that they want to invest in. So if they don't want to give money to you, they're not going to give money to you. Yeah. It's, it's not a salesmanship where I'm trying to sell this blender to you convincing you that you should be part of this when you don't need a blender, you know, like that's not, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about people who, cause honestly, they're not going to go out. You should be up front with them and be like, Hey, I'd like to talk to you about this film. If they're not into your why and they're not into film, they're not going to give money to you or they're going to give you a very small amount of money and send you away and say, okay, Hopefully that yep. brings something in return, you know, and they basically flushed it down the toilet, considered it a donor thing and hope that they get some money back. But mo- most mm-hmm. of the time you want to be asking a question like, Hey, what do you like to give money to? And obviously you want to take it in steps, but you want to be asking questions like, 
what do you like to give money to? Um, you can actually, once you've built a pretty solid relationship with the person and you've asked some of these development questions of understanding what their why is, what they like to get behind, um, some of the direction of what they've given to in the past, things like that, you can actually ask them really how much they're willing to give to. Mm-hmm. Um, so normally, cause you want to gauge, you never want them to ask, yeah. you never want to ask for $10,000 when they expected to give a million or you expect them to give a million dollars. And so you ask them that and they're like, well, I can, I've never given a gift larger than 10,000. Right. And so they're, you're just kind of like, oh, well, I'm sorry. Would 10000 work? And they're like, no, you didn't spend enough time to get to know me. They're finicky that way. But at the same time, they're extremely gracious people. And the biggest thing that investors love to give is advice. So investors get to where they are because they're extremely effective business people. Uh a great example, um, I've got a couple of connections where they've got six or eight companies, and each of those mm-hmm. companies are worth like five million dollars. And wow. yeah, it's not it's it's nice when they you know talk to you and they're just kind of like yeah this is where we're at. Um, but so they kind of have to decide where they're going to give money because at the end of mm-hmm. the year they have some of this overage and they need to figure out how to get rid of it um, to balance it out. Some of those are 501c3 nonprofits. Um, that one's a whole different ballgame that we could get to, but I'm going to stick with normal for profit companies for that, the moment. That's fine with me uh, for now. Um, but 50, like your, your standard companies, so they've got some money that they're willing to give, um, but they kind of, they're wondering. They're wondering a risk factor in you but if you've already Mm -hmm. built that relationship they know they know what you what kind of a risk they're getting into and maybe they'll ask some superficial questions of like well do you have a good dp you know how how are you going to distribute things like that um but for the most part they don't know and they don't care um i say that they care but they don't know distribution they're not experts in film distribution so mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to say whether your decision is a good one or not. What they're going to right. be able to say is whether your business practice is a good decision or not. And so getting your investors wisdom on business practice, I think is very key. A, it builds a level of credibility with your business person. B, it helps you to improve and C, Really, what it it just improves everything. But like the the idea that um, a film is a business, it it can have the greatest message in the world, it can have the greatest crew in the world, but at its core, it's an in business with it's a business with employees. Mm-hmm. And so, with that, business practice is the same across the board. Whether you're working for a Fortune 500 company, a small business, all these things, it's the same kind of method. And and the biggest method is with revenue streams. And so if you walk up to an investor and tell them that you have a single revenue stream, 
they're never going to give money to you, or they shouldn't. They might give money to you because you're really good friends with them. But they shouldn't yeah. give money to you if you pitch to them you have a single revenue stream. This would be a great example of a single revenue stream. You walk up to them and say, and guess what, guys? This is going to end up in theaters. Theater, theatrical distribution, is a single revenue stream. In the sense that, if you break it down real technically, sure, it's multiple in the sense that you have multiple theaters, hopefully. But it's a single revenue stream in that there's only one place that you're getting a pool of money from, and that is a, a theater. If you go a little deeper, you you start to realize, oh, I have digital, I have DVD, I have these things. And so it's really more – but thinking about distribution while you're in the funding process and actually getting a distributor on your side when you're working through the funding process is really key in making sure you get effective funding. Because in some way, you have to prove to your investor that the company that they're giving money, putting money into is, is going to be successful. That their employees um, aren't going to feel like total dirt at the end. Um, yes. Which, that happens a lot, especially in independent film, is that at the end, the people who worked on the film, sometimes they have an amazing experience, but oftentimes, you know, they've worked 12, 14 hour days, and they're worn out, and they need, you know, they haven't been treated well. Mm-hmm. And so, even as a business practice, how do you figure out how to shoot a movie where you're getting enough funding and you're getting enough organization to be able to shoot a movie where people are working sensible hours, eight to 10 hour days with 12 hours as overtime. Mm -hmm. How many filmmakers are sitting there clapping saying, yes, yes, say more, sir. Um, I know I am. Yeah. Because all the filmmakers want to have, uh, nobody wants to basically spend their time working their, their butts off. Right not having a life for like an entire month and then they get to watch an hour and a half long movie that they may or may not even end up enjoying. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they do. And, you know, hopefully they made a bunch of money while they worked that hard. But people people have lives and uh, I think a, a good step in funding is to be sensible with your budget to make sure you're treating your employees correctly as well. So those that's just that's like that next step, right? Because every bit of those yeah. things that you explain to an investor who started six or eight companies and is super successful, you start talking about stuff like that with them over dinner, and they're gonna be like, Wow, this guy, this guy or girl, whoever it is, producing they they care. They believe in their why. And they, they believe that they can actually do this. And, you know, I can get behind that even if I don't get my money back. And then they hope that they get the money back. You know, 
but but first they have to be convinced of yes. <laughs> they have to be convinced of that brain game of like yeah yeah I'm on this team too mm-hmm. we're gonna conquer the world it's gonna be great oh wait yeah I can I get my money back too at some point you know things like that and so <laughs> it's it's weird it's a weird game it sure is. And on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode of The Producer Podcast. Join us next time as we continue our conversation with Micah Gerber and look at not only how to keep your investors and donors engaged throughout the filmmaking process, but also what to do when your fundraising campaign fails or stalls. Until then, make sure to subscribe to The Producer Podcast, and thanks for listening.